0: with technology with tech stuff from HowStuffWorks.com.
1: Ahoy there mates! welcome to tech stuff I'm Jonathan Strickland and I'm Lauren Volkelbaum. Now we're going to do part two of our episodes about the Pirate Bay. now in case you needed a quick refresher previously on tech stuff. So the Pirate Bay torrent tracking site gets in Sweden, uh, gets some big attention, uh, gets really big, not just in Scandinavia, but outside Scandinavia. And then that's when music industry and movie industry take notice and say, let's stop that thing, yo.
0: And say, let's stop that thing, yo, to the tune of $13 million in damages.
1: Right. Now, uh, getting over into 2009... And that's when uh, things really start getting serious. It goes beyond this IAA lawsuit and becomes a massive crackdown. Swedish prosecutors take to court the three co-founders of the Pirate Bay. Uh, actually let me, let me, let me scroll on up so I can say their names properly. So that the three co-founders are Peter Sunda, uh, uh, Friedrich Ney, and Gottfried Svat so they take those three to court, and they also add a fourth person, a fellow who actually had provided funding for the Pirate Bay, which often would solicit donations from users to continue the site uh, so that it would be able to continue operating. Because
0: they were running a whole bunch of servers, which is expensive.
1: Right. But the, the financial guy who was named in the lawsuit was Carl Lundstrom. Uh Lundstrom also would end up getting a lot of a there'd be a lot of attention directed toward the Pirate Bay because of Lundstrom's political leanings. Uh Lundstrom had a history of supporting some very far right um political Swedish parties, nationalist. Swedish nationalist parties, like keep Sweden Swedish type stuff. So, uh very very firm and harsh views for any non-Swedish person moving into the nation and um, so anyway that then also added fuel to the fire for the uh, the 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 criticism toward the Pirate Bay uh all of the other founders of the Pirate Bay said you know uh we were just looking at money we're not our philosophy has always been about file sharing not about you know this this other type of policy um, anyway they were all lumped in with this this lawsuit so in April 2009, they were all found guilty of assisting copyright infringement and each was sentenced to a year in jail and each received fines totaling around $3.6 million, depending upon whom you ask, because it was, of course, not in dollars, it was in Coronan I believe, and uh, then you have to convert it and adjust for inflation, so it gets tricky. But by the end of 2009... The BitTorrent tracker at the Pirate Bay went offline and it made the Pirate Bay uh, just a torrent indexing site. So this meant that it was kind of like a just a giant database of torrents. It wasn't um, the the tracker part. The BitTorrent tracker part was no longer active.
0: Right. Uh, and they, they decided to take <coughs> it down because there was legal precedent, not only in this court case, that hosting a tracker server for a torrent can um can make you legally culpable for helping people uh, share illegal illegally copied material. Right. Um and and shutting it down was made possible by um by, by by new tech that was actually really cool in a you know kind of using for illegal purposes sort way. of way. Sure. Um it, it's called peer linking software and what it does in, instead of using the the tracker to query you know, a, a tracker is a central server that the software that you run on your computer queries to find out where the little bits of every file that you want are located. Right, right. This, um, peer linking software queries through the swarm, through, um, through all of the computers that are, that are hosting, that, that are personally using.
1: Gotcha. So it's taking that, that, uh, central server part kind of out of the equation when it comes to actually locating these files, these mm-hmm. bits of files that you need for, to make your full file, whatever it is. Um, yeah, it was, and it kind of ends up ma- distributing the blame a little, <laughs> so <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, and in June of 2009, a story broke that uh, a company called Global Gaming Factory X was going to buy the Pirate Bay for 7.8 billion dollars wow. with the goal of actually turning it into a legitimate legal site where people could trade files or purchase files. Um, the CEO at Global Gaming Factory X at that time was Hans Pandeya, but several weeks would go by and nothing seemed to develop. It was kind of like the plan to buy Sealand from, if you listen to our previous podcast, you'll hear about these, the wonderful story of the Pirate Bay trying Prince to buy
0: Sealand. Yeah, trying to mm-hmm. trying to
1: buy a naval, a forming, former British naval platform and current sovereign state (laughs) and turn it into their own uh, little pirate bay country well that fell through and this deal also seemed to kind of just go nowhere it just it you know it was announced that it was a possibility and then nothing seemed to happen so in february of 2010 it became clear more at least a little more clear why it never that deal never really went anywhere because global gaming factory collapsed (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh, the the company
1: went under uh, Pandeya had actually had his own personal property uh, in the form of a motorcycle and a car seized by the government um, due to the fact that he was unable to make good on financial obligations of the company Uh, so the deal to buy Pirate Bay fell through not a big surprise there Uh, in May of 2010 a German court injunction took down the Pirate Bay temporarily so, uh, like temporarily being just a matter of like a day. It was, it was back and operational in no time at all. And, uh, at that time, you also had internet service providers arguing that they had no control over the content of traffic over their networks. So in other words, they, they said, we're providing the pipes, but we don't provide we don't the stuff what that goes, goes in through it. it. Yeah. Which is a very Which similar is, argument to what mm-hmm, the pirate base said. Exactly. You know, they're like, Hey, we give people the opportunity to share files, but we're not telling them what to share and we're not telling them, uh, don't share anything. The only thing we're telling them is make sure your label matches whatever the file is. That's mm-hmm. the only thing that we care about. So, uh, you know, ISPs were kind of giving the same argument saying they, they shouldn't be held responsible for the content that goes um,
0: through them. Right.
1: Yeah. So the, when the Pirate Bay came back after the German court injunction, it was hosted by the Swedish Pirate Party. Now this is different than Pirat Biron, which we talked about before. That was the Piracy Bureau. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Swedish Pirate Party was sort of, kind of a, a similar political organization in Sweden, but not the same people. Okay. Uh, now that was the first political party that was actually called the Pirate Party. And that, that itself, the Swedish Pirate Party was founded back in 2006. The central platform of the Pirate Party was to give more power to individuals as opposed to governments and companies to use the Internet to communicate freely and share with one another. So so the Swedish Pirate Party was the first political party actually called the Pirate Party. Now there are quite a few of them, but the Swedish Pirate Party is the original one. It was founded back in 2006, and the central platform for the party was to give more power to the individual as opposed to governments and corporations to use the Internet to communicate freely and to share with one another. So uh, it shares a lot of the same uh, philosophy as the Libertarian Party might in the United States, Okay. Um, but was very specifically focused on Internet communication, not, you know, that, that was like the, the primary focus, at least as far as the Pirate Bay was concerned, certainly.
0: Right uh twenty ten was also when uh Pirat Biran disbanded.
1: yeah, they said that they did everything they planned on doing, and they were done doing the thing they planned, which you know basically said in Swedish. <laughs> But yeah, it, uh, and probably much more eloquently than the way I put it. Yeah, you know, they said that they met their goals and the organization was always meant to be temporary. It was never meant to be, you know, a, a, a to last indefinitely.
0: Also, one of the original, um, co-founders of the organization had passed away yeah. that year.
1: Ibi Kopimi Botani. He had passed away and, uh, that, that really, I think, what led to the group dissolving, you know, it's, I've seen this happen with other organizations where someone, even even if the person is not technically the leader of the organization, often they could be the glue that holds everything together. And when they depart or they pass away, then the organization really just can't hold itself as a cohesive unit anymore. Uh, and in November of 2010, the Swedish appeals court shortens the prison sentence of uh, Peter Sunde from one year to eight months. Uh, Friedrich Ney ne got, uh, from one year to ten months, uh, and financier Karl Lundstrom went from one year to four months. Essentially, it already served it out by then. And, uh, Gottfried Svartholm Vary received a reduced sentence, but missed the appeals trial due to an illness. Uh, but while their, their, their prison sentences were reduced.
0: Their fines went way up.
1: Yeah. Uh, and again, it's, this is complicated because you have to, you know, convert Corona into dollars and inflation and all that. But essentially it went from about 3.6 million to about $6.5 million in damages. And the, uh, the appeals court, essentially what they did was they listened to the organization's claims about how much money, uh, they lost due to piracy
0: and just accepted it and just said, said yep. Oh, Sounds all right. good." Well then
1: that's how much they owe you. Yeah. Whereas a lot of, again, we said it before in our previous podcast, uh, most reports that I've seen, like the the actual reports that really go into looking at how much money is lost due to piracy, say that there's no way to actually put a dollar amount on that because yeah. you can't you can't tell who would have purchased the material legitimately if there were no way of pirating it. Right. So if you, if you were to remove piracy, just magically snap your fingers and piracy is now impossible. There is no way to pirate stuff
0: you can't you can't guarantee that that, that, that 6.5 $6. million dollars of right
1: yeah that 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 everyone would now some of them undoubtedly would have purchased it mm-hmm. some of them would not so that means that because of this uncertainty you can't actually say oh that is worth x amount of dollars and i have the proof right here and that, you know cuz you can't prove it um however in the courts this is something that it all depends upon the judge and jury i mean they you know They're the ones who decide whether or not the argument holds water. And in this case, they said, you are going to pay up big time. Now, uh for the part of the co-founders of the Pirate Bay, their general response to the fines was similar to something I did in the first episode that I'm not going to do again because Lauren and Noel will kill me. But essentially, they said, ha ha, we won't pay.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were like, that's cute.
1: Yeah. Bye. Good, good luck getting your cash, suckers. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. They, their attitude has not changed at all from the point when they founded the site to current day, where they they still owe money, but they said, you know,
0: none of them has paid any of it. Yeah, uh, we're not gonna pay. Know, yeah. yeah,
1: that's essentially the their response. Some and, of some
0: of them have served out their court their uh, court mandated terms, but yeah.
1: Yeah, and we'll get into kind of, you know, catching up with the founders at the end of this episode. Yeah. So for right now, I know this is going really quickly, guys. You're thinking, what show am I listening to? Because this is going really fast. But it's because, you know, we're wrapping up on the Pirate Bay. Before we get into the second half and really talk about what's going on, you know, over the last couple of years, let's take a quick moment to thank our sponsor, OK, and now we're back. So let's talk about, you know, more recent occurrences with the Pirate Bay. What's been going on? Um, like what happened in 2012? They actually uh, decided for some of their most popular content and then later on, uh, they all applied it. it to everything mm-hmm. to uh, stop offering torrent files. What's up with that?
0: So so OK, so so January was when they promised that they were going to remove all torrent files from their site in favor of of what's called magnet links. And huh. um now, if you remember from a previous episode on torrents, um, dot torrent files run on your computer and calculate what bits of files you'll need to complete the the media file that you want.
1: Yeah, it's, it's essentially metadata. It's information about the file that you actually want. So a torrent file does not like if you were, wanted to torrent Britney Spears's latest album, because that uh that ooh la la song or whatever she does is just awesome. And you want it, by the way, I actually do like that song because it sounds like J-pop beside the point. So let's say that you want that and you can't stand the thought of paying for it. Uh, the torrent file that you get for that doesn't actually have any of the ooh oh,
0: Right. There's it, it, none of that in there. It just there. sends a, a hash of requests to a server.
1: Right, which then judge you, but then give you the, the files <laughs> that you ask.
0: Um, now, now, a magnet link contains all of that calculation data in the link itself. So the processing happens on a server instead of on your computer. Mm-hmm. Um you, you you do still need to create a .dot torrent for, for for a new piece of media that you are uploading to, um to the webs. Right. But um, but but basically it it you know saved a lot of resources, made the Pirate Bay site much smaller, like to the point that it can be carried on a thumb drive.
1: Right. These so, days. So so by making it much smaller, that that increased the the likelihood that they would be able to return the Pirate Bay to full working order should something else happen to it. Like a government shuts down more servers. So this was another attempt not only to just make the site run more smoothly, but to ensure that there would be other ways of preserving the site should something happen to it. And and, um, the message being sent out to content creators is this isn't going away. This is part of reality now. This is, this is part of the landscape. You can try and take it down, but every time you try and take it down, it's just going to come up again. The most you're going to do is have us offline for maybe a couple of days, you know, a week on the outside. But we will eventually find a service. Yeah, you can't stop us. Right. Um, Yeah, which gets pretty rough. Uh, um,
0: meanwhile, uh, February, Sweden's Supreme Court declined to hear an appeal from the founders.
1: Yeah, which was a big deal, right? This was, this was essentially saying that the court finding of the, the, their guilt was going to stand and that's pretty much it. And that's like, there's, it. There's nowhere else to go at that point. So the founders are stuck with the, the prison sentences and the fines, mm-hmm. which they still said they would not pay.
0: Right. At, at that point, um, the, the trials were officially over and, um, they were, the Pirate Bay was, was afraid that, um, th- they were still currently at that time on uh, unitedstates.org. Yeah. Domains.
1: Right. Yeah, they, they their domain name was thepiratebay.org. Right. right. Which was, that made them a little nervous.
0: Well, they, they were afraid that since that trial was over, um, that the U.S. was going to um, seize that domain.
1: Right. So they decided to, to, to abandon to, it.
0: To avoid uh, future litigation. Yeah. And uh, so so they redirected to a .e domain. Or .se. Uh,
1: .se, uh, yeah. .se domain. Yeah, they they did that. They do that a lot. (laughs) In in 2013, (laughs) we're really going to be talking about some of the uh, whack-a-mole type approach. Lots of server moves. Yeah. uh, uh, Again, in an attempt to really find a home that will, one, house them and, and two, not bow to pressure from companies and organizations and Mm -hmm. governments. They
0: started to do a lot of, a lot of very admirably clever Things. Yeah. Um, ad- admirable. And, yeah. You know, you
1: know, kind of in that scoundrel way where, you know, it's
0: really impressive. Like, it's fascinating. We, they
1: definitely have dedication. Yes. I will say that. Um, uh, 2012 was also when the United Kingdom High Court said that all ISPs in the United Kingdom were to block access to the Pirate Bay. Ah. Now that would, um, that would matter if the internet didn't work the way it does and that you couldn't find proxy servers that would allow you to get around, uh, international bands like that because that's the thing is that you know using something like a proxy server you could log into a proxy server which isn't blocked by the the ISPs and then as the proxy server end up accessing the stuff that you wanted to access in the first place and because the traffic is making a hop there it might mean that it the whole process takes longer than it normally would but, but it it's means it still really works it's
0: really a deterrent yeah
1: yeah anyone who is really determined to use these services usually is al- also willing to take the extra steps it would require to, to savvy be. Savvy enough to, to know about yeah.
0: them and capable of using yeah. them.
1: Although we'll talk more about some interesting developments in just piracy in general, um, that have happened since, uh, since this. So this was also when, um, they were starting to talk about changing not only the fact about the, the magnet links, but also kind of abandoning the server approach entirely. Uh,
0: Right. So, okay. so so in October, um, a broken power distribution unit led to almost 48 hours of downtime. And that was more downtime that they had had since that uh, raid in 2006, the police raid that that literally took their servers.
1: Right. Um, Which lasted for three days. Which
0: lasted for three days. Right. Um, And this this happened to coincide with a police raid on a um, former hosting company in Sweden.
1: So with this coincidental uh, pair of events, you have the power going out, which leads to the site going down mm-hmm. and you have this raid, it led a lot of people to jump to the conclusion that the police had taken down the Pirate Bay again. Right. Which really, according to what we've read, is not the case. It's just one of those crazy coincidences.
0: It was just a thing that, that happened to happen at the same time. But uh, but after that, they decided that this entire physical media thing was kind of for the birds. And yeah. um, as of October 17th of 2012, decided to move most of their services to the cloud, um as of January 2013 they were running on 17 virtual machines and what what this means is that you know instead of having um physical servers they've got virtual servers the only physical equipment that um that the pirate bay still maintains is um a load balancer which is a a, a ram based server through which um all of the communication with users goes mm-hmm. and uh then some uh transit routers huh and so so this this keeps both the cloud providers and the site's users private the the cloud providers the you know the hosters don't know what they're hosting right and um and all of these things are in different countries
1: plausible deniability is what it boils down to yeah it's actually funny there's a there's a great this I have to read this because and I did it before and and I'm going to go even more dramatic in the actual text stuff reading excellent Winston Brahma. Oh, right. <laughs> spoke for the Pirate Bay, and this was Winston Brahma's uh, kind of explanation. If there is data, there is the Pirate Bay. Our data flows around in thousands of clouds in deeply encrypted forms, ready to be used when necessary. Earth-bound nodes that transform the data are as deeply encrypted and reboot into a deadlock if not used for eight hours. All attempts to attack the Pirate Bay from now on is an attack on everything and nothing. The site that you're at will still be here for as long as we want it to, only in a higher form of being, a reality to us, a ghost to those who wish to harm us.
0: Uh, base- basically, uh, it's you know Neo and the yeah. Matrix. I think is yeah. is what that
1: is. Yeah, them. it's a little little take the take the blue pill. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, um, it's, but- I mean melodrama and the pirate bay are two things that have gone hand in hand more than once
0: yes uh but but no i mean you know it's it's true that that if the police decided to to raid them they would find a router or yeah. or a, or a load balancer and if they did take those all you can get is encrypted disk images and if the um the virtual servers have been out of communication with the load balancer for more than 8 hours they shut down and require encryption passwords upon rebooting
1: right so yeah Good so if you, if
0: you take something, it's it's useless to you,
1: right? And and, then, also and, and it's, it's only everywhere. a matter, and it's only a matter of time before someone has activated it again from some other location. Yes. So again, it's another one of those messages saying, you know, um, we understand you're going to take stuff down. We're telling you it won't matter. So if you want to keep spending the time and resources it takes to take stuff down, go right ahead. But it doesn't matter.
0: But we don't care.
1: Yeah. Um, so mo- that moves us up to 2013, which. For those of you who are listening shortly after we recorded that is this year. If you're listening to this episode from some time in the future, send me a jetpack. So the Swedish Pirate Party in 2013 stops being the host of the Pirate Bay. You know they had taken over back after the 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 Pirate Bay had been taken down. They were the ones who were able to host it and bring it back up. Well, they took it. Uh, they decided to to kind of end that relationship after. They received threats from the Rights Alliance, which is an anti-piracy organization in Sweden. At that point, the hosting transferred to the Norwegian Pirate Party and the Spanish Pirate Party, uh, both of which were organizations that the Pirate Bay kind of identified as being less likely to bow to uh, to pressures from other organizations. Also, the governments in Norway and Spain were less it wasn't that they don't care about piracy. That's just not what they focus on. So they felt that there, there was, was less of
0: a legal precedent in those places. And,
1: well, there's just going to be less pressure less because pressure. that wasn't, mm-hmm. it wasn't a priority in those, in those countries. Um They switched from Swedish servers to servers in Greenland because again, they were just trying to prevent this, you know, downtime that would happen if the Swedish servers were, were uh, seized. But, uh, Within two days of moving to Greenland, the Pirate Bay lost both of its .gl domain names. So uh, said,
0: so uh Greenland said, no thanks.
1: Yeah. So then the site moved to Icelandic servers for a week. And then the new threats were showing up to bring down the site in Iceland. So that forced the site to relocate again, this time to the Caribbean. So now we have Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, no. Yo-ho, yo-ho. A Pirate's Life for me. It can be found on multiple top level domains, meaning that, you know, you can use different top level domains. The top level domains are things like the .se, .gl, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it can be found on multiple ones, which means that if one goes down, you still have other ones you can try and get to. And, um, there are a lot of sites that even just keep a running tab on which ones are currently working versus down. Yep. So you can even check those. Um, so it pretty much ensures that the site will continue even if one or more servers are seized uh 2013 is also when there was a documentary that was aired uh, or or screened I guess I should say uh I do find the title of the documentary to be absolutely irritating but <laughs> it's a pet peeve of mine
0: also so it's it's a TPBAFK
1: colon the pirate bay away from keyboard so it's the acronym and then the acronym is broken out which means that you didn't need the acronym there you could have just had the pirate bay away from keyboard. If,
0: if, if they had put, if they had put the translation, um, in parentheses, I would have no problem with it. But I, I, I think that really they needed a copy it. I just, I
1: just feel like it, if, don't use an acronym if you're gonna have to spell it out anyway. Don't do it. There's no point. Why do it? Ugh. But I hate acronyms anyway.
0: Anyway, this documentary was about- I mean, Don't get
1: me started FYI. I will just lose it. I'm sorry. The
0: documentary was about some of the founding members yes. of the Pirate
1: Bank. And it came out in early 2013, and it really profiled the three founders essentially during that trial that they were in in Sweden. So the trial back in 2009, where they were ultimately pronounced guilty of assisting in copyright uh, uh, infringement. So um, it's, from what I understand, a, an interesting uh, documentary, although I have not, I have Full disclosure, I have not seen Neither it. of us
0: have watched it, no. Um,
1: also, I don't know that I – I mean, I, I assume there's probably a version out there that has uh, subtitles because I don't speak Swedish, so I certainly wouldn't be able to follow it uh, if I were to watch it without subtitles. I would just be lost the entire time. Uh, but I do understand that there's a lot of, like, airing of dirty laundry or at least, you know, airing of people's foibles between the founders who who – generally agree on a particular part of their philosophy but outside of that they're very different people
0: yeah it, it sounds it sounds very much like like outside of their right political interests they don't necessarily get along they're not necessarily friends
1: yeah uh, all and, the and, time
0: or or they are friends but they're just like oh you know Gottfried's always just drunk and racist that's, yeah, that's, that's just what he that's does that's pretty much what that's they say Gottfried. about godfrey
1: about how godfrey uh, seems occasionally when he when he's had a few uh, drinks in him according to what I've read, seems to be more along Lundstrom's political views. Yes. You know, uh but the other guys say, no, that's just him being drunk. That's he's actually a good guy. It's just, you know, he gets drunk and then he decides he wants to rant, s- rant and or create an argument where there wasn't an argument before. They he just kind of gets a little you know, in your face and aggressive, but that's that's only because he's been drinking. Otherwise, he's a good guy. That's essentially the kind of reference I get. Twenty thirteen is also when they added links to Bitcoin and Litecoin, right. so that people could uh, could contribute to the site using those rather than something like, you know, PayPal, which
0: uh, something that tracks back to you, or
1: and... or something that could be shut down. Like mm-hmm. there are plenty of stories about uh, uh, financial institutions cutting off. Uh, any sort of support for the Pirate Bay and related services like the Pirate Bay because they'd get pressure from the government saying, hey, we don't want any money from the US going to fund the, this site because it's, it's supporting intellectual property theft. So, uh, you know, you would get PayPal or, or credit card companies saying that they would no longer support uh, financial transactions to sites like that. Mm-hmm. Bitcoin and Litecoin totally gets around that. So not only yeah. does it protect identities, but it also creates an open flow of, uh, of income.
0: Right. Uh, while researching this episode, I, I found a lot of, um, you know, I, I was hanging out a bunch on, um, sites that talk about stuff about torrenting and, yeah. and, and most of the consensus seemed to be that you should not trust a torrent site that does not take, um, Bitcoin
1: yeah the interesting thing for me is that bitcoin itself is such an unstable currency uh unstable in the mean in in the sense that the value the value of fluctuates bitcoin, wildly yeah much more than than currencies that are part of a stable economy right so I'm not saying that bitcoin like bitcoin may eventually settle down and become a perfectly viable and stable form of currency, but right now you'll see the value fluctuate so wildly that you could, if you were to look at your amount of bitcoins and compare it to dollars, one day you might be rich, and the next day you might not be able to buy a Big Mac. So.
0: <laughs> well, it's—I I think the, the the point of it is is a political one, and that um that the idea behind Bitcoin, which is kind of shaking your fist at the man, um, right? Very, it's is very, very much bankless, very much aligns yeah. with um
1: with their with their philosophy with the on copyright. Yeah, yeah, sure. So where um, are they now?
0: Yeah, um, so Lundstrom did in fact serve those four months. Uh, that that he was supposed to in Sweden Mm -hmm. under house arrest Mm -hmm. and um, has since returned to live in Switzerland.
1: Okay. Uh, Gottfried Svatomvari was indicted in April 2013 on hacking charges that were unrelated to the Pirate Bay. He's actually accused of hacking into the Nordia Bank to withdraw money and several Swedish companies and the government's uh, federal taxing agency uh, databases as well. Um, he was also alleged to have stolen information, including personal data, and, uh, so according to Wired and Ars Technica, he also has issues with drug abuse.
0: Ah, uh, this was after, uh, Gottfried and Frederick had, um, had bugged out to Cambodia, uh, to Laos, to, uh, to, to hang out in order to avoid being arrested under these charges that were, that were levied against them. Mm. And, uh, Gottfried had been uh, deported after breaking his visa agreement, uh, getting himself arrested somehow. I did not read how, um, but uh, but had been yeah, had been deported back to Sweden.
1: Right. And right. that and
0: that is uh, upon which he um, I don't think uh, uh, faced faced any any particular uh, police manhunt or anything like that until he was brought up on these separate drug and hacking charges.
1: Right. And just to clarify, I, I there was just one word that was dropped there. Cambodia and then Laos. Oh, we, we do know they are two t- different yeah. countries. <laughs> we do. We know that because I heard the pause, but I didn't hear the and then. But yes, that is exactly what happened. So, um, yeah, he, he, there are actually more hacking charges on Gottfried uh, that are waiting for him in Denmark. So um, and he's and he actually is he. He his jail sentence went from uh from less than 1 year to 2 additional years although again this is a different crime this was the hacking crime right. and he's the first person according to the Wall Street Journal first person in Sweden to be sent to jail on hacking charges so you know founder of the pirate bay first hacker to go to jail for hacking uh in Sweden so uh, i guess that's a legacy
0: yes uh, uh Frederick, meanwhile is um still hanging in out in Laos. Yeah, he
1: has a, he has a family there.
0: Yes, uh, he he has a wife and child. Um the statute of limitations on his prison sentence is 5 years and he has said that he's willing to wait.
1: Yeah. He, he actually, said that
0: less politely than I just said that.
1: Right. He said it in such a way that we cannot even repeat it on our podcast or we could but I don't know that either of us are willing to do that. Nope. But anyway, he essentially said that uh if he just waited out the statute of limitations on the 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 sentence that you know he could come back and there's nothing anyone could do because he had you know the statute of limitations is over there's no legal uh, basis to go after him anymore, so he says yeah I can just wait that out I don't have a problem with that and uh, they can't because of Swedish law and because of the specific crime he was accused of there's no basis for an international warrant of arrest so they can't come after him in Laos either so he just can wait. Uh, and then there's Petersunda, who is currently developing a smartphone app called, uh, Himmelis, uh, it's H-E-M-L dot I-S, which is from the Swedish word. And by the way, I'm sure I completely butchered that because I didn't look up how this one was said. And I apologize, but. It could
0: have entire consonants that we didn't, we yeah, didn't even read. Yeah. You
1: know. Yeah. But anyway, it's from the Swedish word for secrecy. And uh, it's an app that is meant to allow encrypted communication between people to keep messages safe from other parties, namely organizations like the NSA, which, if you listen to our PRISM episodes, you've heard all about the NSA and the NSA's uh, habit of spying on communications, particularly between foreign governments and foreign agents. Now, keep in mind, Peter, Sunday, uh, Sunday, rather, is from sweden so he falls under that category of you know someone well at least he falls under the category of foreign if not foreign agent uh from the united states perspective and so you know obviously it makes sense to for him to create some sort of encrypted messaging service that would allow people to have secure communications between one another without fear of it being uh, read by the nsa now All that being said, keep in mind, the NSA is the organization in the United States that specifically focuses on cryptography and decryption. So, So
0: just encrypting it does not necessarily
1: mean that it doesn't mean it'll be unreadable forever. It may, however practically mean that if you use an encryption that's long enough or that's, that's complicated enough
0: that uh, um that the that their statute of limitations runs out or, or, on or that saving it, it
1: or yeah or that it's just so hard that the return on investment is is right. so low sure. that they want they're like well there's got to be a better way of getting this data because by the time we end up figuring out what's being said it's no longer going to be relevant Good to anything to yeah yeah so uh, he ended up raising about one hundred fifty-two thousand uh, dollars uh, from more than ten thousand backers within a day and a half of launching his uh, his campaign to create this app.
0: And and from what I can tell, I mean, because he's still, you know, he has not served any of his prison sentence. He is not um, he has not paid any of those fines that were levied against them. And basically, he doesn't care. As far as I can tell, he's just running around the world, uh, you know, giving presentations talking about important stuff, uh, raising funds, and...
1: Yeah, and that's... Yeah, it, it's like the Pirate Bay uh, court case is just over. I yeah. mean, it's just done. That was, some, that was something he was required to go to the court and sit through. <laughs> is, is, is <laughs> it was pretty like much what it comes down to. more than... Yeah, yeah. like he, he got a timeout. So, uh, yeah, he's actually seeking uh, clemency from the Swedish government for the fines. Um, and, you know, he's really focusing on this encryption messaging service, which, by the way, would actually send uh messages in bulk. It would decrypt the messages and then send it in bulk uh, across borders to be decrypted at another server and then in bulk and then delivered. So in other words, the reason why you would put these in bulk is because when you have all the messages mixed together and encrypted, it makes it even more difficult to sort it out and figure out who sent what. So that could be the key to keeping the NSA from decrypting these messages is that it's not just that you're decrypting a single message. Like, I I wouldn't be sending – it wouldn't be one line of message that I would send to to Lauren. It would be my message grouped with everyone else's messages if they were to be intercepted. Um, So really, I mean, the focus there, I guess, would be on trying to find a way of intercepting messages after they reached the decryption server and were sent out. But that would be pretty difficult to do so uh, it's an interesting approach, and we'll see how that turns out. There was another person that you had found uh, someone who had been involved in the Pirate Bay toward the uh, last few months uh Tobias to- Anderson uh,
0: Tobias Anderson right um, he launched the Promo Bay, which used the front page of the Pirate Bay to allow independent artists to promote their work and um uh i I, I think it's a fascinating project because you know I, again it's it's encouraging independent artists to um to allow the free sharing of their work under the assumption that people will pay them for it once they have heard it for free.
1: Gotcha. Yeah and, and we've seen cases of that. We've seen people who have uh, uh offered up music for free and then they've had like, if you like this, here's where you can pay for it. Yeah. Or pay yeah. me what you think it's worth uh Jonathan Colton has done that quite mm-hmm. a bit.
0: I mean Amanda Palmer and uh, uh the Dresden Dolls.
1: Yeah. Uh so it tends to be these groups that already have a pretty firm grasp on internet culture and sure. what Sure. and what already appeals. have a
0: pretty pretty big uh you know for for lack of a better word cult following yeah. online. Yeah. And um you know and and Unofficial studies, you know, uh, uh, Amanda Palmer's husband, Neil Gaiman, uh, released a uh, free version of the American Gods and and his publisher found that legal sales went up.
1: Wow. So so there does seem to be at least some support for that, although, you know, uh, clearly if you're going to really to really establish it uh, would require a pretty tough uh, study because, you know, there are a lot of variables. Right. There's there's just increased awareness of the existence of something. And someone might not know that there is a free way of getting it versus buying it. Like, There's a lot of different factors that you have to account for. But in general, like, it does seem like if you take this approach, people tend to support you. Right. Um,
0: uh, also, I would like to note that Neil Gaiman is, is not only Amanda Palmer's husband. He has his own uh, qualities. And wait, what?
1: That- <laughs> Look,
0: it just cracked me up I, I knew that Neil that way. Gaiman
1: before he married Amanda Palmer. I
0: meant, meant to merely associate the fact that they are culturally um, entangled. He's and, also and the, the guy therefore- who wrote
1: uh, the Sandman funny books, right?
0: Yeah, those I I've read about that in the Funny Papers. Um,
1: yeah. uh, <laughs> well, well, getting back to Tobias Anderson, uh, I like you. You read out his full statement, but I just like the bit about the Pirate Bay in its current form must end. Uh,
0: yeah, so he he had this really he he announced his resignation from it in July of 2013, uh, basically saying that the Pirate Bay and uh, I'll just read the quote: "The Pirate Bay in its current form must end. It is not built and meant for what is coming." The future copy fights will need something better, faster, safer, something that does not depend on a few persons will to sacrifice themselves. The world needs something that is impossible to take down, no matter what raids, laws and scare tactics they will throw at you.
1: See, I like that statement only because when it starts off, it sounds like he has become disenchanted with what the Pirate Bay is doing. And then he says, no, they're not doing enough. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> man, I was I was ready to ride this ride. And now I don't feel right. Um, so Here's here's another little bit of information I thought was interesting. So uh, a company called uh, Ips- Ipsos MMI did a survey in Norway. So this just covers uh, piracy in, in Norway and, and, and consumer behavior in Norway. But that study found that piracy of music had dropped 82.5% over four years, and TV piracy dropped by more than half in that same amount of time. And they, the survey drew the conclusion that at least part of the reason for this was because there were a lot more outlets where you could legally get this content and it was easier to find. The access was simple and, uh, and usually also that it was priced in such a way that it made sense to the consumer. So I would argue that there are a lot of services that are really cutting down, like taking the bite out of piracy stuff like, um, Services that allow same day, uh, 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 debut on the, online as stuff that appears in movie theaters, which by the way, movie theater owners hate.
0: Oh, I'm sure. You
1: know, they, cause that's a tough industry too, just running a movie theater and to have the content come out online at the same time as it comes out in the theater is that's a tough thing no, there's that's,
0: there's different groups of people who want to go to a theater and who want to download something online yeah, to see it immediately right. no and whole I, and introverts
1: think, versus extroverts thing right?
0: <laughs> and also i mean you know I, I feel like i feel like if it's something like pacific rim like i would want to see so that yeah, in a it's theater. something
1: that's a spectacle film you sure. definitely want to see it on a big screen yeah, but, well and also like streaming services things like spotify pandora which allow you to listen to music for free uh, you know you're getting ads mm-hmm. so it's ad supported um, but you're also listening to uh t- you know to stuff that that really interests you. You don't have to end up downloading something that may or may not have malware involved. You can listen to it safely mm-hmm. and legally and and um, just
0: and just the price and and available uh, availability of of music on on amazon and iTunes right. and, and and google and google yeah. everything and yeah. then
1: you've got you know television and movies that are available on things like amazon prime hulu plus Netflix. All of these different services that are, uh, that are growing around the world. I mean, in the United States, we've got access to a lot of them, but they're starting to appear in other countries as well.
0: And that I think are an industry response to, to piracy. Yeah. They're saying, well, you know, it, it's, I, I feel like piracy is mostly, mostly people saying, why won't you let me give you my money?
1: Right. I, there are certain, I think for a certain population, particularly the younger, population of pirates. It's more like I want access to stuff and I don't have any way of getting it uh, other than piracy, Uh which may be either access or it may be Financially motivated,
0: there is, and and there's also a certain punk rock segment of the community that is always going to be like copyright is dumb, right? Why does it exist? Not, or, uh, information yeah. should be free,
1: right? There's going to be a segment of the population that isn't even thinking along those lines and just says this thing exists and therefore I want it <laughs> and and I should have it and I'm entitled. And I'm to entitled. It. Uh, but but that, I think that's the minority. I think that most people, you know, if you were to give them a legal safe way. Of, That's, for example,
0: getting Game of Thrones uh, right. without having to subscribe to HBO right. and then, a cable package,
1: then that might mean that more people would be willing to support that content. Now, you know this is a complicated issue because there are a lot of different parties involved. Oh, it's not course. just the content creators; it's the the companies that provide the platform. For these things
0: and and long histories of uh of you know in, in the case of Game of Thrones for example cable company agreements with service providers sure
1: yeah this gets really complicated it's not like someone just has the freedom to say oh that totally makes sense we'll make way more money if it's we do it it's not like this way.
0: George R R Martin is going like no keep it all on broadcast television no it's
1: it's an obligation I don't know what that voice was. it's an obligation thing yeah but there wasn't nearly enough beard in that voice <laughs> for a George R.R. Martin. Uh, quote, but um, uh, yeah. So, so I mean, it's like we said, it's very complicated. But it does seem that the more legitimate uh, avenues are opened, the more likely people will stop pirating stuff because it's just as easy and it's safer to buy it or to access it in a legal way than it is to pirate. And that seems to be the argument all around: is that if you make it easier and uh, and safer. Then there's no reason for people to go this extra route where they could either encounter malware or perhaps the wrath of one of these enormous organizations. It makes more sense to go the legal route. Um, so, I mean, it's, you know, we'll, we'll have to see if that continues. It's, a, it's a lesson that every industry learns on its own, right? We saw the record industry learn it first. Mm-hmm. The and movie and TV industry is still learning it right the publishing now. Publishing industry. Publishing industry is a little behind, yeah. but, but, that's the thing is that we see this happen over and over again. And it's, mm-hmm. and it's almost exactly the same story each time.
0: Yeah. Uh, that, that computer museum in, um, Linköping, Sweden, uh, the, the curator, Thomas Clifford, when he, when he got that, that original server that the pirate Bay was hosted on, mm-hmm. um, was talking about the impact that the pirate Bay has had on, on the world and why he wanted to have this as part of his exhibit. And he said, it's been a good way for people all over the world to take part of a lot of cultural expressions. I'm not talking about the right or wrong of it here, but simply stating that it has had a culturally enabling effect. Interesting. And I, and I feel like that,
1: that, I mean, that's, it's, that's a valid statement. It definitely has had a cultural effect and really, I mean, it's, it's changing industries. It's not just cultural. It is industrial. We're seeing entire industries respond to this and then adapt with this being a reality. And, uh, you know, I think in the long run, things are going to be all right, right? It's just that every time this, an industry there's, there's encounters this, yeah. yeah, I mean, w- well, you know, any content creator is not going to want to just think, I I put in so much time, effort and money into creating this thing, and now people are just taking it whether you're the person who's actually making it or you're the person who's providing the tools for people to make it, whatever.
0: I, I, I want everyone to get paid for, for what they do. Yeah. yeah I yeah. think that's groovy.
1: Personally, I don't pirate anything anymore. I used to. I was a terrible pirate. I'm not a terrible pirate. I was actually pretty good at it. <laughs> um, but I don't do that anymore. You do not even
0: have an eye patch, Jonathan.
1: No, no. I got a hook. Uh I don't do that anymore. But at the same time, I'm like, please make it easier for me to buy the things I love. Because if I, if, if it is, I'll buy them. And if it's not, I don't buy them. And either, you know, either you get my money or you don't get my money. (laughs) So, all right, well, this wraps up this discussion about the pirate bay. It's a interesting uh, and very, you know, obviously polarizing kind of, of topic. Uh, Let's know what you think, you know, are, are you, are you of the, the mindset that copyright should just go away entirely? Does it just need to be adjusted? Does it need to be tweaked so it's not quite so, uh, extensive as it is right now? Uh, do you think that's ever going to happen? Or is it just going to require a world like the one the Pirate Bay has envisioned where copyright doesn't matter because you can just get around it anyway
0: media anarchy yeah let us
1: know what you think we're really excited to hear from you also if you have any suggestions for future topics let us know that too you can get in touch with us in one of many ways if you have a lot to say I recommend email that's uh, techstuff at discovery.com if you have something that you want to say in 140 characters or fewer try twitter you can find us there our handle there is techstuffhsw if you've got something somewhere in the middle and you think that it's really funny and it should appear on our Facebook page. Go to Facebook. We're techstuffhsw there too. Lauren and I will talk to you again really soon.
0: For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com.